0: Chapter three of A Queen by Ottilie Wildermuth Translated by Unknown This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Esther Ben Simonides. Chapter three. Room to Do Good, or The New Home. Town life and town service were like a new world to Maggie, and it needed some little time for her to become accustomed to them but whoever seeks earnestly to fulfill the duties entrusted to him, and finds pleasure in so doing, will not long remain awkward. The colonel's lady soon began to boast to her friends what a neat, willing, handy, and obliging servant she had found, and the colonel himself was much delighted with the quiet, unobtrusive way in which she taught the other maids in the house, by her own example, to pay proper respect to their employers. Just as a lady takes pride in decorating her drawing-room, so did maggie in the neatness and cleanliness of her bright pleasant-looking kitchen and the more carefully she studied by the strictest economy to promote the interests of her master the more readily did her mistress consent to add from time to time to the kitchen furniture such articles as she thought would be desirable but the colonel could not remain long in the little town which was not far from the farm he was obliged to go to the capital taking his family, and of course the indispensable Maggie, with him, so that she was able to pay but one visit to the old home, for which she still felt a strong affection. She left Granny at the point of death, and it was a comfort to her to know that the poor old woman would have gone to a rest before she was removed so far from her. But if Maggie had admired the wonders and beauties of the town, who can describe her astonishment and admiration at the wide streets and splendid buildings of the capital and when she had seen even the outside of the king's palace how heartily she laughed to herself at the remembrance of her dream and of the fancies she had built upon it the colonel's family occupied a large well-furnished house and maggie was at no loss to find companions in the neighbourhood the stylish servants of the neighbourhood were kind and tried very kindly to introduce her to what they considered as the pleasures and enjoyments of city life are you going to the bargain asked one of them one day stopping at the garden gate with a basket on her arm yes replied maggie rather annoyed however that her new acquaintance in accosting her had used the word see you as if it had been one lady speaking to another instead of the less pretending do thou by which persons of their class always address each other And are addressed by those above them nor is it as a mark of contempt that a mistress says to her servant thou instead of you which she would say to her visitor it is rather as a kind familiarity for it is thus that dear and intimate friends always address each other while you is employed only in cases of ceremony and politeness in speaking with strangers and with those in whom the speaker feels but little interest or in expressing displeasure at those to whom one is accustomed at other times, to say thou. No wonder, then, that Maggie felt somewhat vexed at the foolish airs of her neighbors. She showed her good sense by not following the example, and the girl dropped it. How much market money were you able to make in L? asked the stranger, this time more modestly saying thou in German. Market money? And what is that? asked Maggie. Oh, now, don't pretend such stupid innocence. Everyone knows well enough what that is. Answered a companion, why, you know that butter and eggs bring different prices almost every day, and everybody, naturally enough, wants to buy them as cheaply as possible. So when you go to reckon up with your mistress, you just make out that you got something less than you really did and keep that for yourself. And you have a right to it. You earn it by trying to get as much as you can for your things. In that way, you make a little money every week, and you wouldn't believe what a nice little sum it comes to at the end of the year while the mistress doesn't miss it, and knows nothing about it. Maggie felt no temptation to try any such deception. She was quite disgusted with the bare thought of it, but she concluded at first that perhaps it would be better, for the sake of good feeling, not to make any reply, but to act as if she had not heard the remark. The royal spirit, however, rose within her, and turning to her companion, she said, "'God keep me from such an act!' It is as much stealing as if the money were taken out of the mistress's chest are you not afraid that the little money you make in that way will make you lose much more honestly earned and turning her back upon her new acquaintance she found her way to the market by herself another of her new friends invited her to an afternoon walk on a holiday in one of the city gardens it is a very usual thing in germany where the poorer people have so very little time to enjoy themselves for peaceable, orderly people to go and take a quiet walk in the public squares and gardens on a holiday, not to indulge in dissipation by any means, but for a sight of the fresh green grass, and a breath of the sweet, pure air that the great God has bestowed upon his world. This holiday proved to be a clear, bright, sunny day in March, and Maggie, who pined for the fresh air, willingly accepted the invitation. At first she enjoyed it very much. There were many neat cheerful looking maids there sitting upon the benches or walking up and down the paths laughing and chatting together it brought to maggie's mind the calm quiet sundays in the country where everything was so peaceful and the air so sweet and it made her feel almost homesick presently however some of the soldiers came and began to amuse themselves with the girls they invited them to drink beer, and then they began dancing poor maggie how shocked she was to see such rude gaieties as these, and how dreadfully ashamed to find herself in such company. By and by, a noisy corporal, thinking he was doing the strange servant a great honor, began to compliment her on her good looks, and asked her to dance with him. Suddenly the gay merry music seemed to ring out in Granny's hymn, A regal heart such as become, etc., etc., and she coolly replied, Thank you, sir, I would rather not accept the invitation ah said the offended corporal turning towards rest the young woman seems to have made a mistake she thought she was coming to church i think myself that i have made a mistake said maggie quietly and she got up and walked out of the garden but wild and weird as the party had become not one ventured to ridicule or follow her the colonel's wife was a most excellent woman but her husband's position obliged her to keep up a large circle of acquaintances which kept her almost constantly engaged with visits and land parties as they are called in germany a mode of amusement resembling our picnics this she deeply regretted because it obliged her sometimes to neglect her husband and children during the week the children were at school and on leisure afternoons they either visited or received the visits of other children as is customary in their country or went with their parents to walk and enjoy the fresh air. But on Sunday mornings, the whole house was in an uproar with their noisy play, and their quarrels over their toys. "'Maria!' Alfred exclaimed, "'What are you doing with those building blocks? "'Girls don't build. Give them to me this instant.' "'Well, I will,' replied Maria, "'if you give me back my porcelain figures.' "'No!' said Alfred. "'I want them myself. "'They must stand up in the balcony of my house when I get it built.' While this was going on in one part of the nursery, little Millie from another screamed out that, Because I was a take her pretty dolly! I was going to put whiskers and mustaches on her face! Maria, in revenge, knocked down Alfred's half-built house, and in a few moments there was a real tumult, such as all their sport ended with, of one kind or another. For some time Maggie saw all this with pain, and knowing well that the mother could not help it, turned over in her own mind the best way of putting a stop to it. At the farm the children were no angels but the farmer and his wife had never suffered such an uproar and confusion in the house at any time least of all on sundays "Shh, children this is sunday was a cry to which they were taught to pay immediate attention one sunday morning maggie determined to see what could be done and making more than usual haste to get through with her few duties on that day she went directly to the nursery the children were all fond of her and she found herself in the midst of half a dozen drawn-battles. "'Why?' she exclaimed, looking round her, in pretended astonishment. "'What kind of play do you call this? "'If this is your fashion of amusing yourselves, and on Sunday, too, "'I must say I don't admire it. "'Now, when we were all children at the farm, "'our Sunday mornings were the most delightful time of the whole week. "'We didn't play, for we had nothing to play with, "'so we didn't care to do so.' "'That must have been very nice, to be sure.' said offered contemptuously we were very happy whether you believe it or not replied maggie in the first place if they wouldn't take us to church we had a service of our own at home the great tree in the dooryard was the roof of our make-believe church because it spread its branches so nicely over our heads the top of the tree was the steeple, and the shade on the ground where we sat was the church floor first we sang all the most lovely hymns we could find oh but i believe you can't sing much she added hesitatingly can't sing exclaimed maria indignantly and we take lessons from madame milano and in school we sing every day of our lives said alfred doggedly oh well then said maggie as if she felt quite satisfied and relieved then i will show you how we used to play church first as i said before we must sing since you can sing so nicely suppose we choose a choral now let us choose a very pretty one "'Suppose we sing, How Sweetly Beams the Star of morn." "'Now pay attention. "'Maria, you sing the second, you, Alfred, sing the tenor, "'and I will take the air, "'for I am not musical scholar enough to sing from the notes. "'I can only sing a tune after I have learned it. "'Now begin.' "'Maggie, even as she said, was no great musical scholar, "'but she had a sweet, clear voice, "'and at once she began singing that exquisite hymn, "'the children falling in with their appointed parts.' for in German schools the poorest children are taught to read music and sing by note, as regularly as they are to read their Bibles. This, to be sure, was not a very finished performance, for Maggie's voice was untrained, and it was the first time they had ever sung together. But all parties were highly satisfied, not excepting, even, Gustavus and Milly, who chose to assist Maggie. There, said Maggie, when the hymn ended, now we must read oh yes yes exclaimed alfred in great delight bring maria's new story book what cried maggie opening her eyes that for sunday and in church too just you wait one moment until i go and get my bible and read you something from that and then tell me if it is not prettier than tom thumb or even than cinderella with her glass slipper. besides being all true i'll read joseph oh we knew that by heart long, long ago, ago exclaimed the two elder ones in the same breath but listen to it once more said maggie and she opened the bible and began to read while the children all listened with the greatest attention the two younger ones from curiosity to hear the story the two elder to find if it were not the same old one that they professed to have so long known by heart but maggie read aloud worse than she did anything else notwithstanding she had done it so often for poor old granny her voice was not strong enough Alfred got quite impatient, and at last declared that he thought he could do it a great deal better. Maggie had not the least objection to letting him try, and as it proved, so he did. When she gave him the book, she was herself quite astonished to hear how clear and distinct his words were, and how exactly he read as if he were talking. The little ones, who had never before heard the story, became so excited that the other ones grew doubly so, and kept saying to them, "'Now listen! Now the prettiest part is coming!' and the little things would open their eyes and mouths still wider, and hitch their chairs still closer. Maria, too, wishing to show what she could do in the way of reading, and so it was agreed to take turns all round. The story read, Maggie said that the next thing in order was to preach, but as only real clergymen could do that, she would just explain to them a little about the story of Joseph, as the schoolmaster used to do to them when they were children. So she told him how, in that country where Joseph and his brothers lived, a man was thought rich, not according to the money he had, but to the cattle and sheep and goats and camels and servants that he owned. Joseph's father was a very great and rich man, and owned great numbers of all these things. But, like all the rest of his countrymen, even their princes, he sent his own sons out into the field to take care of them. The fields, she said, were not large or small bits of land, with a fence round each, The whole country was open, and belonged as much to one man as to another. Wherever there was a large quantity of grass, and of course a nice spring of water, there they would drive their animals, and leave them to enjoy themselves, while the owner's son, or his servants, or both, watched that no harm befell them. When the grass was all eaten close, they drove off the animals to some other point, and left it to grow again. That was the reason, perhaps, that Joseph had to go to two or three different places before he could find his brothers maggie made them observe too how the great god had taken care of little joseph and made him a favorite with everybody wherever he went because he was such a dutiful and obedient child to his father and always spoke the truth and how he punished the brothers for their unkindness to joseph and especially for the wicked lie they told their father about the little coat even though they did not tell the lie plainly but only led their fathers to suppose that they had found the coat in that bloody condition it was nevertheless just as much a lie as if they had told him so, and God punished it accordingly. And then, too, see how long it was before the punishment came. Why, every one of them had grown old enough to be married and have children, and Joseph himself, though he went up little by little, had had time to become the greatest man in Egypt except the king. Yet God did not forget it, it came at last. And so, the schoolmaster used to tell us, it was always. God has told us in the Ten Commandments, we must not do a good many things we must not steal nor lie nor tell things about other people that are not true for that is what it means by bearing false witness and so on and if we do them just so surely we may know we shall be punished even if the punishment does not come for years and years everybody thought that maggie's explanations were almost as interesting as a story and the sunday morning passed more quickly than ever one had passed before and far more pleasantly the next sunday they were quite ready for the same employments and thus many a good seed was sown in their young hearts upon which the affectionate servant-maid daily besought a merciful god to shed the warmth and dew of his blessing that they might spring up and bear fruit abundantly maggie had founded here another little kingdom where she reigned as undisputed queen the first day that they had moved into their new residence maggie had heard a great coughing hawing and hemming from the story above and at last it became so violent that she left what she was doing and went to see what could be the matter. Now, our little readers must understand that in the large cities of France and Germany a single family seldom occupies a whole house by itself, as in England. Only a few of the most wealthy can afford to do that. Their houses are very large as well as high, and built in such a manner that each storey is like a house by itself, and those who live in the upper ones can go up and down without disturbing or annoying the families below them any more than if they lived in different houses the richest people in each house live on the first story those not quite so well off on the second and so on the poorer they are the higher they will live and so in a house in which on the first floor you will find a nobleman will have in the attic a poor sempstress in one room poor bandbox maker in another a washerwoman in the third etc etc it was thus that maggie while cleaning the rooms of her mistress heard all this coughing from overhead, and ran up to see what it could mean. There sat an old gentleman in a dirty-looking, ragged dressing-gown in front of his stove. In Germany they do not have fireplaces, as we have, the door of which was open, and he was toiling and striving to kindle some sticks of wood that kept throwing out great quantities of smoke, but positively refused to burn. "'Do you wish to light it, sir?' asked Maggie indeed i do replied he looking sorrowfully at the open door for i am very cold but it is too obstinate i can get no fire let me try sir said maggie pleasantly the old gentleman readily allowed her to do so and she soon produced a blaze over which the old gentleman rejoiced not a little maggie begged that she might be allowed if her mistress would permit her to perform that little service for him every morning a permission the lady did not hesitate a moment to give do what you will for him maggie said the kind mistress only bear in mind my child that you will receive nothing from him for your services from what i have heard of him he must be very poor but recompense was not in maggie's mind no one could think what a load was taken from the worthy old gentleman who was the learned professor dr wormer when so willing and skillful a person offered to make his fire for him he was very grateful to his new friend and resolved to become better acquainted with her He was very old but a distinguished scholar and an author of some note beside he wrote untiringly stories for the young stories for the people books popular and books philosophical he wrote all kinds of things and gathered his materials from a mass of volumes new and old with which his entire bedroom as well as his ordinary living room was so piled up that scarcely could his writing desk and his bed find a place in the vast sea of miscellaneous learning but all his writing did not bring him even as much as his books had cost him he was poor and had not a single relative in the world his only servant was a small boy who came three times each week to do his errands his bed he made himself his room somebody had once cleaned up for him and the landlord was even now afraid but if somebody did not do it again his floors would at last become like the ground itself from the heaping up of the dirt upon them but the former cleaning had so dreadfully disturbed the quiet hard-working old man he could not bear to try it again to the order loving neat maggie therefore the poor landlord had communicated his fears when she obtained permission from the old man one afternoon to dust and arrange his books she sent him out to take a walk and then with brush broom and dusting cloth set to work for a sad-looking place it was sometimes in the midst of her labors she would have to stop short and she clapped her hands and laughed merrily at the sight of the heaps of dirt and the heaps of books that lay side by side. The old man clapped his hands and laughed merrily too, when he came back and saw the order in which the books had been arranged. To be sure, they were all put neatly back upon the shelves in the most regular order possible, but without the slightest regard to their contents. Size and binding seemed to have been the only points of resemblance that Maggie had consulted. Consequently, a geography was placed close beside a prayer book, or a volume of French plays leaned against a Bible. It took him no little time to get them right again, but he did not mind that in the least, for now the fresh air had room to circulate through his chambers, and the clear bright sunlight could pass through the glass of his windows without being buried in the dust on them. Maggie had won the doctor's heart completely. He loved her as if she had been his own daughter, and since he had no other way of showing his affection, he offered to lend her as many books as she wanted, an offer that gave her much pleasure, though she had but little time for reading. It was a recompense that expressed the gratitude of the old man, and showed she had made him really happy, for though in all she had done she had never thought of a reward, she had earnestly hoped that she might be permitted to give a little happiness to the desolate, lonely old man. Maggie's simple heart, filled with an earnest wish to do as the great God had commanded her, never left an opportunity unimproved, of doing an act of kindness to those who had no one else to do it for them the words still rung in her ears that the venerable schoolmaster had said to her the day she left his care when he laid his trembling hand upon her smooth shining hair and said my daughter never forget that you are the follower of him who while on earth went about doing good and who commanded those who would be his to follow him remember that he himself has said whatsoever ye shall do to one of the least of these ye do it unto me and faithfully she strove to follow his counsel nor did she ever find the promise to fail you shall in no wise lose your reward this thought gave additional value to the old man's offer to lend her his books and on sunday afternoons when she took turns with the housemaid in having a holiday on the days when a turn came she would go after church into the garden and seating herself in the shade enjoy the perfect repose of quiet happiness within and without the housemaid whom she had offended that day on her way to the market by the manner in which she had spoken of the market money had been from that time her worst enemy nevertheless maggie's remark had somewhat disturbed her conscience so that she never felt since quite easy she now began little by little to come round and try to make up with maggie who not having the least ill feeling towards her received her very kindly other girls of the neighbourhood too finding how pleasantly maggie spent her sundays came in now and then to share them if she would allow and though sorry for the interruption she felt better pleased to have them there than to know they were somewhere in the public gardens so sometimes she would read to them sometimes walk up and down in the pleasant air and repeat to them what she had before read or sometimes get them all seated in some quiet spot while they sang pretty hymns or read by turns stories from the bible the next morning these girls found that they were always ready to begin the week's worth in better health and spirits than when they went to the dance and lost their time and money without getting any return god has promised them that honor me i will honor end of chapter three